0: My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a live forum for the courageous telling of difficult stories. Mm-hmm. Tonight is the second in a month-long uh, series on suicide in the family. My guest is David Treadway. David is a family therapist in practice in Massachusetts. He's the author of several books. I actually had the pleasure of interviewing David uh, several weeks ago uh, when I was doing a series on Living with Life-Threatening Illness, about his recent book, Home Before Dark, and his story of his family's coping with his uh, cancer. But today we're talking about suicide, and we're talking about an earlier book of David, which is called Dead Reckoning, A Therapist Confronts His Own Grief, which is the story of his mother's suicide when he was in his early 20s, and the recovery, the sort of story of healing that follows from that. David, welcome to Save, welcome back to Save Space.
1: Well, and it's great to be back.
0: It was such a pleasure to talk to you the first time. So, I want to uh, you know, I've read the book which I was incredibly moved by, but I, I would like to ask that you would tell the story of uh, what what was what was the story of your mother's death and the the events that led up to it.
1: Well, uh, it's 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 obviously an incredibly complicated story and yet a simple story. My mom and my dad were very uh uh, ambitious political, political, uh, social uh, folks who rose very high in 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 the, the Boston, New England community and uh, uh, performed extremely well. They were quite a glamorous couple and uh, very successful on the outside. And on the inside, my mom was an, a very stressed, very anxious, very insecure person. Who was essentially putting on a front all the time, and um uh, uh relatively early uh she began to have some troubles with alcohol and um uh, drank too much and you know occasionally embarrassed herself and was kind of out of line and that got treated by the kind of therapy and medicine of that era, which was back in the fifties. With lots of uh, medications and and drug treatments, many of which were actually highly addictive and got her into more trouble and by the uh, time we all were teenagers, my mother was pretty overwhelmed by parenting, pretty overwhelmed by putting on a show for the outside world, and very painfully isolated and she sank into a very dark place, and when she was just 47 years old, um, uh, she, uh, in a very deliberate way, uh, waited for my dad to go off to work one morning, uh, knew that nobody was going to be in touch with her during that time, and she took, um, you know, what we now know is probably 30 or 40 uh, sleeping tablets and took her life.
0: And you were how old then, David?
1: I was twenty. I was in college, and uh, um, at the at the time, pretty uh, lost in my own world of being a college kid. And and by that time, I had had pulled quite a bit away from my parents' life. I mean, they they were having their life, and I was busily trying to have my own.
0: Right. And were you aware at the time of how much your mother was struggling?
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, the suicide was a complete shock on the one hand. On the other hand, her depression had been pretty pervasive. And when I had still lived, lived at home at the high school age, um, I was pretty active in trying to support her, take care of her, cheer her up, be be kind of... Um, you know a junior version of a therapist actually trying to help her with her depression Um, so it it wasn't news that she was depressed but the suicide was a shock it happened not very long after our family's last christmas together and it was um, it was a difficult christmas people had not been getting along particularly well and that was the last time i saw my mom and the next time uh that uh I knew uh, my dad was calling me on the phone, saying, "Your mother died last night,
0: you know reading reading your book um the part that moved me to tears the most it was at the very end when you're describing that last family Christmas, and you're describing her kind of standing up uh to go to bed early with tears running down her face and sort of the frozen way that nobody knew how to respond to her, nobody knew and I I found myself, you know, just imagining myself in your in your living room, you know, mm. in that situation and the and uh um the pain of the regret about that moment and I wanted to ask you how much did you feel haunted by the regret of sort of what might have been, what might have been able to happen?
1: Well, I I mean that's that's exactly the issue. Um when 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 somebody in a family kills themselves, the 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 rest of the members of the family aren't just you know experiencing a the grief. They're also dealing with the question of uh, having somehow or other been unwitting accomplices. What did we do? What could we have done differently? Uh, at that particular Christmas, I think uh, my younger brother and my sister and I, in particular, were. We're really being quite adolescent and difficult, and we, didn't, we showed up late for Christmas without, without having called and saying that we were going to be late. So we were just essentially being adolescent idiots. And uh, did that haunt me later when I realized how much stress that, that added to my mother's um, uh, already overwhelming feelings? Yes, it, uh, it made me feel really terrible. Is. I think it did to all of us.
0: I can, I can imagine that. You know, you say in your book that grieving a suicide is such a different experience than re- grieving a regular death and, um, you know, whatever a regular death means. But I wondered if you could talk about that, sort of what the pieces are that make it different, this feeling of guilt obviously being one important aspect of it.
1: Well i I think one of the complexities that I've tried to understand in my own life and working with other families and, uh, who, have, who have survived a suicide and and speaking in the in, in, to survivors in general in, in workshops and stuff, the, the, thing, the common thread that we have to remember when trying to deal with this is that uh, the, the, the the suicide of a person is is clearly a desperate. Uh, act of uh, that is just so goes against the natural desire to live that it just it it suggests such profound individual suffering and pain that somebody could think that the only way to deal with their life is to take their life, but that's only a part of it and in that in that part, my mother's story was really tragic that she found herself in such a dark corner that that's all she knew to do. But whenever you're dealing with a suicide, you're also dealing—and this is a shocking way of putting it, Anne—but you're dealing with murder. You know, uh, my mother. Real violence. My mother killed. Uh, my mother. Mm. She killed my
0: uh,
1: father's wife. She killed my sister's mother. She, she killed somebody who was in relationship to all these other people so it's not just about her it's a violent act done to the rest of us in her family and her community and her friendships and that that mix of unbelievable grief about what her pain must have been and frankly anger and judgment and rage about how did she do that she didn't leave a. she didn't leave a note she didn't she didn't uh... say anything to me she didn't gi- she didn't give any of us a chance to say please please don't do this please don't go so there is there there is you know an incredible amount of sadness for her desperateness an incredible amount of anger and and frustration about not having been able to about her doing this essentially to other people, and then, as we said earlier, there's enormous amount of guilt. What could I have done how How did I let her down, et cetera. You take all those powerful feelings and you put them into the same person in relationship to this this death and what you what you tend to have is people just either breaking which happened to my sister, who had a nervous breakdown shortly after my mother died, and happened to my father, who also had a nervous breakdown shortly after my mother died, people either break or they do what um, I did, which was essentially freeze. I just I just went cold and numb and couldn't connect to anything. Um, in fact, I remember the, the night I got home uh, after when we were gathering, and my sister was bawling her eyes out, and I was a kind of stone, and her yelling at me, "What's the matter? Didn't you love our mother? What's the, what, why aren't you crying? What, what's wrong with you?" And it was it was very painful because I actually couldn't feel much of anything, and um, it's the enormity. And sometimes I put it this way, Anne. You know, if 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 a power surge comes into a home, uh, what happens to protect the electricity of the home and keep the home from burning down is the circuits short out. Yes. And for some people, that's what happens. That's what happened to me. For my sister, um, her brain shorted out. She literally was, um, you know, went from from from. Uh, my mom's funeral to a mental hospital, and has struggled with mental illness ever since.
0: Mm. It's such a it's such an overwhelming amount of really conflicting feelings. that's hard to bear. It,
1: exactly, it's an overwhelming amount of very conflicting feelings. It's extremely hard to be fully as sad for this poor desperate woman, and to also deal with the fact of hey, <laughs> she murdered my mother. That same desperate woman killed my mother.
0: Right, and so, and then you have guilt. You're already feeling guilty, like how come I couldn't save her? But then also the guilt of, you know, well, there's such a taboo in our culture about being angry with someone who's died. Exactly. We're supposed to only speak well of the dead. Right. And so then there's this feeling of, you know, is it disloyal to be enraged? she
1: did this I think that I think that's completely true and uh it actually took me you know I I had a very cold anger back in my 20s it it took me uh a long time to get to the much more hurt vulnerable feelings of um missing my mom and and just just Desperately wanting her to 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 be alive. I mean, when I'm now 64, it's a long, long time ago that she chose to take her life at the age of 47. And just you know, just yesterday I I or I met a friend of hers that uh, is in her early 90s and looked like how my mother would have looked if she had made it to Mm. her early 90s -hmm. and it just broke my heart you Mm. know i still miss her
0: yeah i wonder do you find yourself thinking uh, over the years you know she would be this old now Mm. how would she be or what would it be like if i had a mother now to meet my kids and so on
1: absolutely i mean um you know my mother cast a large shadow over our lives because if you have a suicide in a family it's a very real possibility and so my poor children growing up had to deal with my anxiety that whenever they got depressed or 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 were having difficulty i would actually get pretty worried about them well well more than they needed to be because of the legacy of my family
0: sure. and they didn't
1: get to see the, they never got to have a sense of the wonderful side of my mother she she was my mother was an absolutely wonderful warm loving engaging smart you know woman in addition to this tragic figure which also makes it complicated
0: right This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space. I'm talking to David Treadway about the impact of his mother's suicide on his family. I want to ask you a little bit more in detail about some of these things, some of these three feelings that we're talking about, because part of what makes your memoir so moving is that you really work through anger, guilt, and grief. I mean, you take us with you as each one of them begins to soften. And express itself. And, um, you know, maybe I want to start with the, the coldness that you described. So your sister is angry with you. She says, didn't, didn't you even care about her? Because you're in this state of just absolute shock, and you're mm-hmm. not crying. And um, how? what were the ingredients for you that allowed you to kind of move from that short-circuited, cold place to something that felt more alive for you?
1: Um, well, it was a long journey. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't literally have any feelings uh, to, to speak of. I was just kind of a walking robot until I was six months after my mom's death. I was sitting in a movie theater watching, of all things, Dr. Zhivago and with, a, with a young woman who I barely knew. And we were just sitting together watching the movie. And the next thing you know, I was crying hysterically and completely not knowing what I was crying about. Mm. But that was sort of the first clue that there's more going on here than than this 20-year-old 20, 20 boy really understood. <laughs> and yeah. and then I uh, I went through a kind of uh, really sort of nasty rejecting period of, uh, you know, I, I was in the role of taking care of my family a lot. I was taking care of my father. I was taking care of my sister. I also have a you know unfortunately an alcoholic older brother who I was kind of trying to take care of, and underneath that, I was resenting it a lot mm-hmm. so uh, you know I I, 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 I I wrote angry cold poems i'll, I'll give you, I'll give you one which is very short uh, to my mother, you squat on my days like an obscene hen. sometimes I think you forget that you're dead. That is cold, that is angry, and that is like tears that have hardened to diamonds so it was a twenty year journey from that point to uh to being in a therapist's office when here I was a successful therapist uh on my own life, I was raising two kids i was you know had a had a great wife I was doing a good life, but they were still a frozen part of me and and it took a while, and it was literally, it was literally a critical moment when I uh, was actually talking about a, a, a self-portrait that my mother had done that was really a hell, harsh self-portrait. In, 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 what you see in this woman in this painting is anger and judgment and nastiness. And my mother could be very tough. So whenever any of us in the family looked at that portrait, we saw my mother's um, scathing side. And it always felt kind of like none of us wanted to look at that picture. But in my therapist's office, I actually brought that painting, which my my mother was an artist. I brought that painting to my therapist. And I, we were looking at it together. And all of a sudden, I realized, you know, she was painting this picture by looking in the mirror. That scathing, harsh, negative, cold look was actually how she was looking at herself, and literally, my heart just broke open mm-hmm. as I understood that the that, that the the rage we sometimes were on the receiving end was primarily directed at herself, and it was a rage that killed her. It was, it, but. My tears, my tears for the mom who got wrecked in this process, my tears for the mom I remembered before she got into trouble with alcohol when we were all really young, she was a great mom. All of that just welled up in me and, you know, honestly, I I began to cry, you know, 20 years worth of tears.
0: Mm. So your heart, your your access to compassion was there for yourself it sounds like as much as for her
1: yeah i that's really that's really that's really right it was it was it was compassion for her but it was also just feeling the 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 pain of missing her and at mm. at that moment and really since that time i i haven't had the the anger or the judgment or the the, the negative energy i've just had a um a, a heartache I miss my
0: mom. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you, David, I am um, in working with moms mostly of younger kids uh who are struggling with suicidal thoughts. I often hear them saying something like a, a very distorted belief that their their kids would be better off without them. And I'm struck, you know, a at the profound distortion that depression can lead to, but also in a, in a strange way, the belief is still one of loving the kids. <laughs> in a crazy way, you know, it's like really believing that the child, this would be good for the child. And I wondered if, did you do you, do you imagine that your mother thought
1: I, that? I'm 100% sure that she thought that. That um, she felt like a failure as a mother. She felt... Um, uh, uh, that she was her depression and her her addictions and her inability to kind of function was an enormous drag on on my father and and also on the children. She felt like a burden. The way somebody who's really old who is being taken care of by their children feels worried that they're being a burden. Yes. She felt very much like she was a burden. So I know. That she had that thought, we would be better off. Um, and, uh, and 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 this is difficult to talk about, but he, one of the things that happened was that my mother's suicide actually um, changed my life for the good. It, it it I I was the third in the family. I was kind of lost, kind of uh, uh, renegade, uh, adolescent male behaving badly, and, and, and not really being very responsible. And when my mother died, literally the older people in my family all fell apart. <laughs> my father fell apart, my sister fell apart, uh, my older brother uh, fell apart. And so I kind of got thrown into the role of being the head of the family at this age, and, and for me, it changed my life. I, I, you know, if it hadn't been for my mother's uh, suicide, it's highly unlikely I would have ended up having the calling I got to be a therapist. And, and so, I mean...
0: You it's know, it's interesting when I hear you say that, David. I can feel myself feeling anxious and feeling like, Oh, no, <laughs> I wouldn't want anyone listening to get the idea that it really would help their child. For that, you know, I, I'm a, it, bring, it definitely brings up anxiety in me to hear you say that. I understand that you're being very courageous to say something that feels very taboo, um, and I wonder, do you feel the same anxiety in saying it?
1: I, I, <laughs> I, I only got anxious when you got anxious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because the minute you say that, I think, oh my God! there you know, there are people who might think, see, maybe this is a way out. And 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 given the horrible consequences that my mother's death has had on, um, you know, any number of people, but my, um, the my immediate family and and me personally, and my wife and my children. Boy, I, I you know, I would never want people to get the idea. That just because there was ways in which my life changed for the better, that means that that I that that this was a a, a good choice. Um, I, I mean, I
0: guess I want to reframe it, if it's all right, which would be to yeah. say that I, that it wasn't her suicide that made your life better, but the fact that you rose to it, and well, that in some ways that you had to.
1: Right. It's not. You know, it, it could have just as easily broken me as it did my sister. I mean, there certainly certainly not the act of suicide is what what
0: right. What, I mean, it's hard for you to say this because it would be like giving yourself credit. But I would I feel free to say, you know, you were able to rise to the situation of helping the people in your family who were falling apart. Right. But I I, I want to give you the credit and not the suicide, David.
1: Well, the, 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 that that sounds right to me. I, <laughs> I, I do. We we've kind of stumbled into this this particular part of it. Because we said we were going to talk about the anger, the guilt, and the sadness. And my guilt throughout my life has been the fact that my that that, that there are elements of my, the success of my life that I attribute to how I responded to that time. Uh-huh. And 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 this conversation right now and <laughs> uh, is really helping me separate out. The guilt that I've had about, gee, did I really benefit in some perverse way from my mother's suicide, to basically saying, no, no, I didn't benefit from my mother's suicide. I was fortunate enough to be able to rise to the occasion. Yes. And I've, I've actually never made that distinction so clearly. So you know, do I have to? Is there a bill for the yeah, help send, I'm getting
0: <laughs> tonight? <laughs> I'll send you my fee, David. Well, I'm so I'm so happy to to be part of helping you lift that guilt. Good. I want to I do want to ask a little bit more about that while we're on the subject of guilt, which is, you know, in the book you you say that she had attempted suicide once before, mm-hmm. and it was kept a secret. Mm. Your father kind of covered for her and didn't want her to feel humiliated by this information being known. And um, I think often, you know, in our work as therapists, but maybe also as family members who have people who are suffering from depression, we don't want to do drastic things to help them because we don't want to draw attention. There's so much shame about being depressed. Right. And I wondered if you could say... You know, what, maybe what you wish had happened, if that could have been made more known, or, you know, the role of stigma in contributing to people's, you know, co- attempting well, suicide. I,
1: I, I honestly think that, uh, you know, uh, in the field of alcoholism, which is one of the places I specialize in, we we help uh, struggling family members uh, with by doing things like, interventions where we bring the family together to reach out to somebody with love and kindness and say and 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 ask them to get help I think if 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 our family had known that my mom um, had attempted made an attempt on her life i and and we had done something proactive she might have felt the love that we all felt for her it might have made a difference in this realm there is plenty of room for would have should have and could haves Honestly, my mother was quite an amazing woman, so she was partly a product of her times. It was not the type, the time and place when women went off to AA and got into recovery. Right. If she had lived 10 years later and the feminist revolution had taken place on her watch, she would have been great. She would have gotten sober and been proud of it and helped other people. Um, but instead, she was just over-medicated and, and treated kind of like the mm-hmm. way women in the 50s were treated, kind of like, um, you know, their feelings, their uh, their issues were treated as kind of problems to be managed rather than yes. people to be related to.
0: David, you know, I realize we have time for only one last okay. quick question, which is I want to just talk a little bit about the different ways that members of your family cope with this. Because you you let me
1: that I'm in is part of the healing was really accepting and frankly even embracing all the different ways that people that we coped and not judging each other and not thinking that there is a right way or a wrong way that people deal with overwhelming grief complicated grief in quite significantly different ways and if there was any one message I'd like to give families out there don't don't critique don't judge uh, each other if you're handling grief differently. Make room for each other. Learn from each other. Tell each other your stories. There isn't a right story. There isn't a wrong story.
0: David, on that note, we're going to have to stop. If someone yeah. wants to contact you, what's your website address?
1: Oh, it's Dr. drdavidtreadway.com. All one word, drdavidtreadway.com. And uh, if anybody would like to contact me or, or just see more, that would be a good way to do it.
0: David, thank you so much. Again, the book is is Dead Reckoning by David Treadway. If you are struggling with suicide yourself or concerned that someone in your family is, here in Portland, the local number is 774-4357. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is drannwmpg at gmail.com. My thanks tonight to Deb Gallagher for mixing the sound, Maurice Lennon for the music. Next week, I'll be interviewing Patricia Ellen.